Spicing things up, my weekly market review, July 24th, 2022. Markets seem to have firmly seized onto the hope that we are now close to one peak inflation, two peak Fed hawkishness, and as a result of the first two, peak US dollar strength. The result was a very solid week for most stocks, with the occasional notable exception, like Snap, the parent company of Snapchat, which collapsed nearly 40% on Friday alone after terrible sales growth numbers. But hope combined with some favorable ratings from some frankly second-tier data points isn't usually enough to cause such a substantial bounce, or at least the most substantial one we've seen in a few months. However, this particular rally has been spiced up, despite its lack of actual fundamental progress, by one ingredient, prevailing extreme pessimism. Bank of America investor sentiment data released last week showed recession expectations are the highest since the pandemic and before that, the 2008 financial crisis. Stock allocations are at their lowest level since 2008. Cash holdings are at their highest level since 2001. Growth and profit expectations are at all-time lows and investors are generally demonstrating the most risk-averse behavior since October 2008. In the eyes of those who follow the it's always darkest just before the dawn narrative, such catastrophic sentiment data heralds the beginning of the transition from bear to bull as it brings up the exciting prospect of the C word, capitulation. Capitulation is often a necessary staging post on the way to a sustainable recovery as sellers exhaust themselves and buyers throw in the towel. But while the evidence shown above might imply this, the under the hood data included in the report below seem to show that capitulation is apparently not yet upon us. So caution is required. Volatility always shows up at pivotal market turns, but volatility itself is not a signal of that turn. This is a mistake many investors make, using volatility as a confirmation bias because they so desperately want the bear market to be over and get back to making easy money again. And it also needs to be remembered that from an economic and corporate earnings standpoint, we have not even really started to feel the impact of the soon-to-be two full percentage points of interest rate increases that's occurred since March. A strengthening US dollar makes exported goods more expensive overseas and foreign imports cheaper in the US, a double whammy that punches US exporting corporations in the face since it is estimated that about 40% of the average S&P 500's company's earnings come from outside the US. The dollar finally showed signs of topping out last week, partly caused by increasing interest rates in Europe and the Far East, but is still up 17% from a year ago. That means that total S&P 500 company earnings have been reduced by about 6.8% over the course of the last year, simply as a result of currency movements. If there is a sustainable turn and the value of the dollar flattens out or even turns down, this will definitely be helpful from this standpoint. 
Early in the week, we saw both Apple and Goldman Sachs announcing plans to slow hiring next year. Goldman Sachs also said that their second quarter earnings fell 47%. Bank of America's second quarter profit fell 32%, but revenue rose on strong consumer spending and borrowing. The National Association of Home Builders Housing Market Index, which is the subject of my financial term of the week this week, unexpectedly crashed by 12 points from 67 in June to just 55 in July. It was the second largest drop on record and served as a reminder that certain parts of the economy are really beginning to feel the impacts of the Fed's aggressive policy stance. And many buyers have been completely priced out of the market by the simultaneous rapid rise of home prices and mortgage rates. It was noted that many builders have stopped work on projects now because the cost for land, construction and financing were more than the value of the homes being built. The median existing home price hit another record in June, rising to 416,000, up 13.4% from the previous year and increasing from a revised 408,000 in May. Home sales declined for the fifth straight month. Sales of previously owned homes fell 5.4% in June from the prior month to the weakest rate since mid-2020. There were 14.2% fewer sales of previously owned homes last month than there were a year ago. But stock indexes powered through all these potential headwinds, firm in their apparent newfound conviction in the peak inflation, peak Fed hawkishness, peak US dollar strength theory, and given its extra spicy thrust by the idea that the awful pessimism among consumers simply can't get much worse. Enjoy the rally. Goodness knows we all deserve it. But don't treat it as a bottom yet. There's no definitive proof that this bear has been vanquished. See the under the hood part of my report. Remember, if this really is the start of a new uptrend, it will, by definition, have legs and provide you with ample opportunities to get on board. But if it suddenly becomes clear that this is indeed just another knee-jerk reaction to outside events in an oversold market, the drop to new lows could be swift and painful. But I do want to emphasize that when it comes to accounts with longer-term time horizons, say about 12 to 15 years or more, None of this timing or sizing stuff or determining if we're at the bottom yet matters at all. Just keep on systematically buying the right kind of equity exchange traded funds, ETFs, and younger investors, say 40 years old and younger, should lean into this in their various retirement and very long-term accounts and actually step up their level of buying if cash flow allows.